Welcome back to A People's Guide to Publishing. I'm Joe Beal, the founder and CEO of Microcosm Publishing and Distribution. I'm also the author of A People's Guide to Publishing, which distills what I've learned from selling millions of books over the past 25 years. I'm Ellie Blue. I'm the Editorial and Marketing Director here at Microcosm. We are an independent midlist publisher based in Portland, Oregon and Cleveland, Ohio. We have over 700 books, over 25 employees, and we make about 40 new books every year. And we distribute thousands of titles from other publishers. We started this podcast so that we can share what we've learned with newer publishers so that you can learn from our mistakes. Or maybe you just want to understand the publishing industry. This week, your dynamic trio is going to talk to you about the rules of basic book publicity. Ooh. Part of our 101 package. There are rules now? Uh, there are rules that will make you more likely to succeed. Like anything in life. You can break the rules, but I highly, highly suggest that you know the rules before you begin breaking them. So we're going to do another episode later about like all the things that we broke. publicists do that maybe you shouldn't do. Just because other book publicists do it don't mean that it's a rule you should follow. Fair. But um, the things that do we find work for us... Well, it's a basic matter, you know. Um, and the fact is things are evolving. But as much as you'd believe it, a lot of things are not evolving. Uh, one thing that has evolved is we don't really put a lot of effort into book publicity anymore. Well, I don't know that we ever really did. Fair enough. Like, fair enough. You know. I mean, we've had full-time people doing it, and now we have someone at, like, 10 hours a week. Right, right, yeah. I mean, we didn't start out with a full-time person, and because I was the only full-time person. But <laughs> even five, seven, ten years in, we had a part-time person or a a person that did that job plus your job, you know, typically, and then, yeah, I mean, it was always, like, in addition to something else, I guess, is the thing, so. Right. But, you know, and once upon a time, when you're little, you're just, like, ambitiously hoping that the, like, big magazine will write about your book or review your book, and then you think that's the end-all be-all. And then sometimes they do, and you sell a lot of books, but sometimes they do, and you don't sell Yeah, books. I was going to say, more accurately, you they do, and like six of their peers do, and then you still only sell a couple thousand books just like you would have anyway. The thing is that publicity is only... The publicity you get is only as good as your ability to, like, leverage it for distribution and sales. Yeah, and then... So, like, getting in a magazine if you're selling books out of your bedroom is not going to help you out a lot. I mean, it's okay, but yeah, it doesn't yeah. really get you too far. And then the other thing that's kind of weird is, like, if the market for your book is thin and shallow, then it doesn't matter, like, how many articles you get, even in, like, mainstream magazines, you know, online magazines, blogs, major YouTube channels. Like, it just doesn't matter if there's only a certain couple hundred people that want to read that kind of thing. I'm still at a loss as to what the rules are, honestly. My head's spinning a little because I keep thinking about all the things we used to do, all the things we have done, what used to work, what doesn't work now. Well, to help you focus, <laughs> I will remind you of the basic rules. All right, what are the so rules, So people, let's call them reviewers, or coyly newspapers, magazines, 
blogs and what we loosely call trade publications. Can we count Instagram influencers? No, they have different rules. Mm. The, the rule is that they need time to read the book. Right. You know, and that typically means they need to receive a copy of the book that is reviewable, meaning it's not the final copy editing, but it has all of the components of the content, you know? So if your book has pictures, it has the pictures. It has every chapter in the review copy. It has enough that they could have it sit on their desk for a few months, uncover it, read it, write about it, and then have that review go to print before your book is published. So that's like, depending on the kind of outlet, like six to nine months. Uh, four to six months, typically. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. yeah that's I guess four to nine months. Let's For go print with. publications, it's got to be more like nine months because they go to press like they uh-huh. want they want the review to come out like right around the pub date, and they go to press like or they have their content finalized two months early, and then they need time to like wrangle their freelancers and yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the thing that, well, I guess the thing that changed from twenty and 25 years ago is that once upon a time we would you know we would send out a couple hundred review copies and then as press time neared we would get a desperate phone call or email that was like we lost the review copy we need you to overnight another one that i mean i swear that happened just about every book we published and um and it doesn't really happen anymore people you know are now quite content to read a digital copy or you know um well write a very approximating review of what they believe the book is and why they're excited about it rather than you it's rarer that you get like the six paragraph in-depth review that you did once upon a time it's true for your lead time is shorter for like blogs and things but you still want to give them a few months and you want you know and it depends on the blog too if it's like a book review blog they're just not going to be as excited to have another book on the pile mm-hmm. as they are is if it's like a blog that is singularly about your subject matter, you know, and um, and so that's why, um, you know, back in the earlier days, we could get pretty consistent reviews in like places like Ready Made magazine because they like shared our values and um the Udney reader shared our values we've also gotten reviews in places like the wall street journal which does not share our values in any way exactly but so that's those are going to be more you know that or like fast company or you know even like a daily newspaper it's going to be one out of a hundred books that we do whereas you know the ones that are more aligned with us they can sort of safely write about everything that we do or um you know we used to do a lot in the you know when there were you know once upon a time all of the queer magazines were not owned by one person and so we would get a lot of ink in those for sort of the same kind of reason so another rule can i propose another rule you may never pay for publicity Right. Yeah. My um my former editor got in touch a few years ago and he was like, Joe, my rates for book reviews are I don't remember if it was two hundred and fifty dollars or whatever and you know, and and he was sort of aghast when I was like, Oh, we just don't pay for reviews for ethical reasons. It's just not and he was and then his defense was like, 
I'm cheaper than everybody else. <laughs> Just like, that's not what the concern was. It's not worth it. And it's more that you can buy your way to appearing successful. I mean, you can buy your way onto the New York Times bestseller list if you want. But you can't buy your way into actually being successful. Doesn't make your book good. And yeah, great example. Appearing on the New York Times bestseller list, same thing. Makes you look successful, does not sell more books. Except to yourself. <laughs> That's true. Well, in some cases, there. if you read the case study in the book, there's a, a brilliant one where the author got all the pre-sales but didn't even have to print or buy the books. She just got all the pre-sales you know, locked and loaded. And then, because she had a deal with a studio that they would make a Hollywood film out of her book if she landed on the Times list. So she did. All right, more publicity rules. Let's talk about... So don't do that. That's the publicity rule there. Let's talk about social media, because I feel like that is kind of... It does exist. Part of publicity and becoming more and more part of publicity. (laughs) There are rules. Uh, I don't know. There's like the whole like book talk and bookstagram and all that, and there's lots of opportunities to buy exposure in those ways. Lots of opportunities to buy lots of things. It's true. But like the thing that... The rule that I've noticed with social media is you kind of can't go after it it just happens yeah and this is right it's sort of like paying for publicity is you can do it all day long and you can hire an influencer or 10 but that isn't going to create sales traction you what the only thing that can authentic well not even authentic like authentically or inauthentically (laughs) create sales traction is buzz interest people that are excited about what you're doing and like you can lay the groundwork like you can create a you can make your book more appealing for people to social media eyes about like you can you know put your company's social media handle or hashtag in the copyright page you can you know when people pre-order your book you can be like hey if you like this please tag us and post a photo of yourself you can you can like encourage that but you can't i don't know yeah like all of our biggest social media successes have like kind of just happened um, and that is one area where, you know, I mean, in most publicity, I think the quality of the book matters less than like how good you are at presenting it in a very concise way to the right people. But with social media, it really is like, is the book inside and outside giving people something they really want? If so, they'll post about it. Yeah, that's a great point. And similarly, I, I cannot stress this enough. You know, and, and when this, the first time this happened in 2005, where a blog posted about one of our books with a direct link to buy on our website, mm-hmm. that sold far more books than a magazine or newspaper with a circulation with a readership a hundred times that size, just for the simple fact that, like, you could click through you could just get and it. buy, you know, and then that and you know this people did not believe that at the time that we would we could sell thousands sometimes tens of thousands of copies that way but nowadays i don't think that's so surprising whereas what is surprising to people is that most of those orders come from people that just checked out and bought a copy on our website liked the book happened to be a reviewer or have a blog and wrote 
a review without interacting with us whatsoever. Yeah, like one of our biggest reviews was of one of Dr. Faith's books, Unfuck Your Boundaries, and someone made this like amazing video about it. Like That was paid content from Blackstone? Oh, that was from Blackstone. Uh-huh. Oh, I didn't realize. Well, we didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> they hired an influencer. Oh, I thought she just like picked it off a list. Our <laughs> highest profile review that was completely unsolicited was when in 2009, Amy Carroll of the Angry Chicken, a mom blog, purchased a copy of Make Your Place on our website, reviewed it, and the next day we woke up to 300 orders. <laughs> and then by the end of that day, it was 1,000 orders. And by the end of the year, she had single handedly sold 10,000, if not you know, the entire 100,000 that we sold that year. Did we ever send her a fruit basket or anything? <laughs> I sent her several thank you notes. I mean, I didn't, I don't know if she likes fruit, I guess. That is I did, I mean, I did send her um, Raleigh's following books. Um, I think she felt a little sheepish about the whole thing. Cause I think it's, well, you know, people, reviewers have a weird relationship to the power they hold, you know? Yeah. And I think she was getting a lot of what any and I guess this is maybe another thing that should be said reviewers aren't just channeling their tastes so much as more than that they're channeling the interests of their readership you know so Ooh, that is a good rule yeah and so they may be kind of malaised about something but when they you know, see it, they will know that their readers will love it. And that is ultimately what prompts coverage. So that's sort of the handle you want to sell it on. It's like why their readers care. Can I talk about what I would do if I was doing a publicity campaign for a book right now? You seem very capable. <laughs> will you seat me the floor? <laughs> All right. Well, with your consent. Um, so my process is first to do research and kind of to do this around the time that the book is um, in editorial is to like make a publicity plan first of all like decide who I'm gonna go after who I'm not gonna bother with like what kind of book is this like does it have a great cover will it play well on social media does it have more mainstream distribution should we try for bigger channels if it's a trade distribution book then try for like Publishers Weekly um, shelf awareness, all of that. Those reviews really matter the most if you have a way for bookstores to buy your book. Um, if you don't, then don't bother. Because the only people that read those reviews are people that work in the book industry. So if your book is not available in the book industry, they're not going to review it. And if they do, it's not going to drive sales for you. Yeah. And if it, and if you're like looking at bigger outlets, like, you know, national print media, um, that's really going to have the most effect if you have a distribution team who's able to take that and show that to bookstores and stores that's not going to result in a ton of like direct sales because people will have to google it unless you have like a great i don't know it's not it's not as great going for like blogs social media all of that is better if you're like super small scale and don't have a ton of distribution and they'll yeah and if you get national press and you don't have national distribution they'll buy your book on that one website that sells refrigerators that used to sell books. We're not going to even say I their name. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, um, they're so irrelevant. Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah. 
They'll buy it. They'll buy it from like whatever third party sells your book at the deepest discount, and it won't do you as much good. So anyway, make your plan, and then do a bunch of research. Make your list. Anytime you're submitting a book to any outlet, um, make sure you find and read whatever rules they have for submitting and follow them. Like if they want two copies and your business card, send them two copies and your business card. If they want. Um, if they charge you money to review the book, then don't bother. Tell them, never mind. I know, right? And then um, once I have that spreadsheet with you know the information, and I also put freelancers on there. Like if somebody wrote an article that I liked about the topic of the book, I'll like try to track them down, and the freelancer can often pitch a review or like work your book into an article about something else. Like if they're you know if you have a travel book, they might not review it, but they might include it in their roundup of like five new travel books. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, think of it that way. You're not necessarily just going for reviews. You're going for, like, inclusion in whatever else is happening. And then I go down that spreadsheet and I craft a really short email. And that email has two goals. One is to... The person can just read it with no problem. It's not, like, a huge block of text. It's probably just, like, three sentences long. You don't want them to have to decipher anything. Oh, yeah. You don't want them to have to wonder, what's this person getting at? Put your ask right up front. Um, And also... And when you're doing that, speak to what, not just their interest, but the their reader's interest. Like, saying, I think your readers would really enjoy this. Because most reporters get just completely off-the-rocker emails all the time. And phone calls. Oh, yeah, they do. Don't ever call. Only email. Never call. Mm-hmm. And then um, the third thing you want to do is make it really, really easy for them to get all the assets they need to cover your book without ever even writing back to you. And you don't ever want to include huge attachments in your email. Like, it's best just to include links. Like, put it up on Dropbox or whatever and be like, here's, you know, an e-book arc of the galley. Here's, um, an e-book arc of the galley is nonsense. (laughs) Here's (laughs) a copy of, a digital copy of the book. Yeah. (laughs) Here's the book. You can take a look or, like, whatever part of the book you have. Maybe you only have a couple chapters at that time. Um, And then you also want to include full uh, links to full resolution um, images of the cover and the author that are um, formatted for either web or print, whatever that person's outlet is. So that's a JPEG for web and a TIFF for print. Um, And also um, any kind of press materials you have, like ideally, like Ideally, that it also includes the link to where they can buy the book on your website, so they can just link right to it, and you can be like, um, "Here it is." But maybe you only have like a Kickstarter starter pre-order page, or maybe your distributor or whatever has a page. Anyway, you definitely want to include a link they can a get more information at, like the book description, um, blurbs, or whatever, and um, you know, send readers to. <laughs> ideally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you just send out a ton of those. You just be friendly about it. Don't even worry about it. If there's someone you really want to pay attention to your book and they don't get back to you, you can send one follow-up email several weeks later. But definitely don't pester them beyond that. Mm-hmm. That's about it. And again, think of it in terms of where the people that would be interested in your book read, hang out, follow, socialize, and then... By doing it that way, you're serving everybody's mutually beneficial goal. Also, word of advice and warning, any text at all that you send them, either the book description or in your email, they will probably just copy and paste that and that will be their whole thing. Mm. (laughs) So don't send them anything that you don't want to see in the public eye about your book. Right. 
and you know keep the self-deprecating comments to between you and your mom <laughs> good advice for everyone really mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right there and we and we're gonna have a follow-up episode where we go further in depth thanks for joining us once again Please send your questions to podcast at microcosmpublishing.com so we can answer them on future episodes. And please give us five stars on iTunes and everywhere else that podcasts are reviewed. You can find us on the internet at microcosm.pub. On Twitter at microcosm. On Facebook at microcosm publishing. On Instagram at microcosm underscore pub. And here in Portland, Oregon on North Williams Avenue. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week.